This January, over 750 OA members gathered in Los Angeles for OA's 50th birthday party. Events included keynote speakers, multiple long-timer panels, workshops, a big book boot camp, and even an appearance by Roseanne S. If you'd like CDs or MP3s of any or all of these sessions, go to oa50th.org and then follow the link to the recordings. That's oa50th.org. Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Jeannie. I'm Jeannie. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Jeannie. And I'm so happy to be here. I'm just, I could not wait to speak at this meeting and carry the message like I got it. And Atusa, wonderful to see you. Atusa and I booked this meeting months ago. And I was just looking forward to coming here because OA has given me a life I have never imagined. And I'm going to speak to the newcomers and also people that feel new tonight because so many, time, many days I feel new as well because we all know it's a day at a time program. I am coming up in 10 days. I will be in OA 20 years. And that's a fact. I, I have 10 days, so but by the grace of God, I'll make it. But technically, it's 19 years and 355 days, I guess. <laughs> and um, if I do today, tomorrow, what I did for the previous 19 years and 355 days, I won't fall off and uh, go into a major relapse. But... Let me tell you just briefly, my, I'll get the numbers out of the way here. I'm uh, five foot eight. I probably weigh, I don't get on the scale, the early 140s, late 130s or something, hopefully. I'm maintaining a 120 pound weight loss. Um, but, used to be more, but you know, I'm pushing 60, so, uh, you know, it's, uh, the body's rearranging itself. There's nothing, there's nothing I can do about it. After a certain age, your body gets a life of its own. Just can't keep it in line. And uh, so I'm, uh, I've, I've been in OA, of course, since Ju- July 28, 1989. I got abstinent. I walked in the door in late June in Santa Monica, California. I got abstinent here. I've lived here for 30 years, but I've been in northern Michigan for the previous 10 years. But before I found OA, I had gained and lost nearly 700 pounds in my life. Up, down, up, down, up, down. I'm a food addict. And... I tried everything in the world. I, I have, a, have a very lucrative career, so that afforded me to try anything that was for sale. I wrote a check for i had been all over the world trying to get skinny before I found OA 19 and some years ago. I'd been to doctors, lawyers, Indian chiefs, psychiatrists, cosmetic surgeons, fat farms, resorts, way before they were very shishi poo poo like they are now. And um, I've had body parts cut off of me that I miss. And because when you're with a cosmetic surgeon and you have a lot of money and he's not, he's, he's about as sick as I am, they'll just do anything you want. And um, I have body parts cut off of me that I really miss a lot and I have artificial implants. I mean, they're not where women traditionally get implants in them. So you can see me after the meeting if you really want to know the details. <laughs> I gained and lost 700 pounds. And currently, let me just get out of the way. I, I live in northern Michigan, as I said, and I attend OA meetings now with farm women 
big stocky stout farm women, um, boaters, they fish, whatever. And, um, and I attended meetings all over the world with theological icons, astronauts, movie stars, and you know what? We're all alike. We're all alike inside. It's a wonderful thing to know that. So I'm really happy that I live in northern Michigan. I just had to grow where I was planted. More about that later. My life was spent on compulsive overeating from the gate. I just turned 59 two days ago, and I remember my first communion, not because of what I wore, but because of the food that was served. Now, that's a long time ago, and I remember that. And I grew up in this tiny coal mining town in Pennsylvania. And just to give you the flavor of that environment, they filmed two famous movies there. One was The Deer Hunter with Bob De Niro and Christopher Walken, Meryl Streep, if you remember that. Steelworker guys, Polish weddings, 300-pound women dancing with 300-pound women. Uh, the women are dancing and eating the cake, and the men are in the back room around the keg. I attended multiple Polish weddings, and I still do. That's one of the movies. And the other movie that was filmed very close to where I grew up and lived for 18 years is Witness with Harrison Ford, the Amish people. And they lived about a half hour east of me. So I had a beautiful, idyllic life out of the movies, right? But I was born a compulsive overeater. I was different. And, you know, for me, I don't blame any person, place, thing, or idea on my compulsive overeating. I think I'm a compulsive overeater for a few reasons. One, I have a mental obsession that food's going to fix whatever's going on in my life. Two, the minute I eat that, I have an allergy of the body, much like taking dynamite and it explodes. And three, I thought I was the beginning and the end of the universe and I had a spiritual malady. I thought I was the cat's pajamas, as they say, or, or what they say, I thought I was all that in a bag of chips. That's what they say where I'm from, uh, currently in northern Michigan. And I was just a chubby little girl, but it's, it's interesting how I had a distorted perception of my body at the time. I was probably 10 pounds overweight. My father was a coal miner. We were very poor. I don't have any a high school. I just have a high school education, but fortunately, I fell into a career where, at the time, I don't think we can do it anymore. I sort of have a, I'll be frank at this meeting, a rags to riches story. But my dad was a coal miner. He was killed in the coal mines when I was 16 years old. We buried him on Christmas Eve morning, and we were a very devout Roman Catholic family. You know, we loved Christmas. And I'm not saying that for you to feel sorry for me, but I just want to tell you my biography that I survived all that and I'm just a stronger person for it, you know. And I will I could tell you about how that tragedy has turned into such good fortune, by, by the way, in 2009 this year. And uh, my mother was um, a farm woman, not educated, and I was a very incorrigible child. I was born smarter than my mom and dad. I mean, for those of you who are in the room, the movie The Bad Seed. Did you ever see that? I mean, I was just this little evil, not evil, but just a troublemaker. And, you know, before I took my first compulsive bite of food, though, I was cursed because I was mentally and bodily different from my fellow man. Right out of the gate. Six years old, Sister St. Henry was my first grade teacher. I was just different. It was as if the mothership had dropped me off in the field. And I, and I had, like, wandered into this family. Like, this guy is a coal miner. His hands are black, you know, permanently black because they just can't come out. He has permanent black eyeliner on. He's a hard-working guy. Uh, my mother is baking, you know, and love is food to her. She never touched us, but she forced food on us. And... Um, I was, what am I doing here? I should be like conquering countries and living in castles or something and having ladies in waiting. What am I doing with 
this little poverty-stricken coal mining family in, in Pennsylvania. And, uh, well, that was my family. So I just ate. I can't tell you why I ate. I was born with this disease, period. And, um, and you know, it's interesting for those of us who probably a lot of us have a body perception. In high school, I was probably 20 pounds overweight, and I lost the 20, and then I gained 45, then I lost the 45, gained 80, lost the 80, gained 100, lost the 100, gained 120, lost the 120. And I did that, and as a result of that, I've been up and down nearly 700 pounds before I came to OA. And probably more, but that's what I just calculated in my mind and kept track of. So my father got killed in the coal mines, and, of course, as I grieved, I just ate. That's how I grieved. That's how I did everything. I just ate. You know, I had no tools with which to live. I had nothing. I was either angry or in this euphoric state. There was no adjectives to describe multiple feelings that I experienced. I didn't know what I was, what I was all about at the time. So I came to California, and... Um, I just still ate. Now, you know, and I came out here and I realized uh, where I lived at the time, uh, it's worse today, by the way. You know, if you're heavy, you're a leper here, period. This is what I see. You're just a leper. This is the only state in the union I actually feel fat and the way I look tonight. I feel like I'm obese compared to some of these people that I see. But um, I came out here and I ate and I rose in the corporate structure uh, in this career that I have. And um, I became very powerful in my office, but morbidly obese. And I was a witch. So I was, I just depended on what time of the year it was or who was coming to town or whether I had a date or not. I was either this 250-pound, poison-spewing, slithering-around-the-office witch or I was this 120-pound, poison-spewing, slithering-around-the-office witch. Because, you know, ladies and gentlemen, what I did is I quit eating, but I didn't fill that void. And poison filled up in me. Life became unbearable. Because all I did was stop eating. OA to me is way past not eating. It's, that's the vestibule to this program, not eating. Once the food is down, the work starts. But I never did the work. I wasn't an OA. So as a result of that, I'm five foot eight. I'm 118 pounds at the time. I'm white-knuckling thinness. But I'm not getting the reward. They're not giving me a ticker tape parade. No one's noticing me. Like, oh, my God, look how skinny, drop-dead, gorgeous. Nothing. And life became so painful because I still did not have the tools with which to live life. What did you think I did? I started binging again. There's no payoff in white-knuckling thinness because my insides did not change. Let me tell you what about stopping eating. Stopping eating has never had any significant impact upon my life other than to gradually make it so painful that I had to always go back to the eating because it was the only medicine that I knew to make the big hurt go away. That's it. I had no other tool but food. And that's where the 700 pounds up and down came in. I remember coming in Monday morning, binging my brains out over the weekend, and my face is swelled shut because my triggers are sugar and salt. I look like the Michelin Man in the Macy's Day Parade. You know, you could not tell a feature in my face. And I would come just bulldozing in the office, you know, capes flying like Corella DeVille. And, you know, all the secretaries would just dive under their desks, you know, like, oh, shit, here she comes. I mean, shoot, here she comes. And because I was very powerful and crazed because I binged. Flip side of that, I just finished starving for the previous six months. And I got down to my goal weight. And I come in the door 
guns blazing again on a Monday morning, and they're still diving under their desks because I never fixed what was really wrong with me. And the drift of OA for me is how do I adapt to the world, not how the world adapts to me. That is it. That's my code. So, I mean, my, I went through secretaries like paper towels. I mean, those poor girls, you know, when do they quit or didn't they're called in sick 50% of the time? They were terrified of me. And it's not that I'm an evil person or cruel. It's just that I had so much pain in me, and I did not know where to put it. Somebody had to get it. And I'm sure maybe some of you experienced that. And, you know, unfortunately, I would choose defenseless people, not creatures. I love animals. But people that spoke, you know, understood what I was doing because then it helped. You know, it, it made it work that they understood. And um, we would get a temp in, and I would just be in a bad mood. A temp, you know, what do you call it? Temporary secretary out here, Apple, whatever, whoever they are, and uh, Kelly girls. And um, I would go to my manager just out of the clear blue, I'd get up from my desk, go to my manager and say, I don't like her earrings, I want her gone. I mean, this girl's trying to make a living, like probably go through medical school. And I'd say, I want her gone. If she's not gone by lunchtime and I come back and she's here, I'm gone. Do you understand that? She was gone, but that was very powerful. So now I have this nightmare that I'm, they're going to wheel me into a surgery room one day, and there's going to be this female doctor that was like my Kelly girl in the 1970s, and, you know, she's going to remember me. And I guess it's pretty often to make amends, like, on the table real fast before she, before she cuts me open, for God's sake. But I made those amends I'm with the sponsor. And um, so, and, you know, that was my drill. All I did was just eat to get by. I ate for every reason. I, I'm not like a binger. I was a grazer. 10, 14 hours a day, get up in the middle of the night and sick. And then if I had a client that came in Monday morning, instead of preparing for it Sunday night in the office, I was so full of fear because fear governed my life. You know, it says in our literature, it is a corrosive thread that goes through our lives. And the big book says fear is so awful it should be categorized as a crime because it has robbed us of so much life. That's a very uh, wide paraphrase, but that's my story. Fear took so much life from me. And even when I was 118 and a couple times starving, I thought I was obese. I can't come because I'm fat. I was a flake. I'd say I'd come to your party with a dish or whatever you do here, you know, bring a, bring a gift. I'd call you at the last minute and you're the hostess, and I would say, you know, I can't come. I, I feel fat, and I'm like 125A. Or I just wouldn't show. I was a flake. You could not count on me to be there. I don't know how I kept my career, but going back to this client coming in Monday, instead of preparing for this client to come in, I was uh, binging on large pizzas the night before because that was my courage. You know, some people have alcohol as courage. Mine was binging because for me, it coated the nerves. It took the edge off. It gave me a foggy pair of glasses where reality, I wasn't so afraid of it. And it was like I was drunk. Other people saw reality, but I got to create my own reality because I was so drunk with the sugar and the salt. And that was my life. I just don't know how I st- you know, had that career. And I was very successful in it, by the way. Because, like probably a lot of us in this room, we're good actors and actresses. You know, we're chameleons. Um, I was probably in a career that you would categorize as sales. So, you know, we just switched gears like that. I did. Not only was I a salesman, but because as a child... In my cruel childhood, I had to switch gears on a dime to get my mother off of me. My mother was, as I keep going back to that, I was the, how do I say it? I was the, not victim, but I was the person in our family who got it. My brothers and sisters didn't get it, but I got it. Because 
I guess, I don't know why. I have no idea. My mother just chose me because I was very incorrigible, cocky, smart aleck, very smart. I would go around the back, sneak out windows. I was so ahead of my mom and dad. You know, here are these Midwest, hard-working people, and they got this little Martian on their hands. You know, they have no idea what the hell to do with me. No wonder. And me and my mother, I hope she never gets a hold of this tape, but... Um, hope not. And I'm not knocking her. I love my mother and I'm a very good daughter today, by the way, because OA has taught me to be a very good daughter. I don't care what kind of a mother I have. I am a good daughter because I do not want to go back to 260 pounds. I don't care what I have to do. And I'm a good daughter. I provide for my mother, buy her, remodel her house, get her a new car and all that kind of stuff. Now, my mother, as a form of punishment, and I just said, I don't want to repeat that through my trust that you will uphold that tradition. When I was a bad girl and my dad was in the coal mines during the day, my mother would lock me in a dark cellar down in the basement. And those basements back east are full of cobwebs, rats, mice, and I was terrified. And all I saw was this little strip of light underneath the door, you know, where I was sitting on the steps crying to leave me out. You know, it's like putting a dog, you know, in a cage. Just want, just want to get rid of it or like, you know, just go to sleep. So today I'm still, I still fear the dark. I can't be in a pitch black environment. I'm terrified of it because I just used to pick picture rats going across my face or something like that and my mother would be up there singing and watching soap operas and I'd hear the old sunbeam cake beater going around and making cakes and I'm crying and pleading for her to leave, leave me out please and scratching the door and then she'd leave me out like 15 minutes before my dad came home from the coal mines and he never knew it it was a big secret he never knew that my mom did that and um, I say that not to shock anybody here. I'm sure there's worse stories in this room. But to show that, you know, I can survive that. What doesn't kill me, if I believe in my higher power, makes me stronger. And and I, I see that. You know, with my sponsees, some of them, the ones in Michigan, um, it's common, you know, to wear the past wear the past around a lot instead of approaching it, you know, as I was taught to do with my sponsor as an adult woman today. And I can certainly see my part in that at the time. And my mother was not evil. She was ill-equipped. Just, she had, you know, there wasn't any Oprah or any of these talk shows on what they have to do with kids like me. Um, you know, not, they'd probably give me Ritalin if I was a kid today, right? Or send me to therapy. But at the time, there was no such thing. Fast forward back to California. I'm getting fat, skinny, fat, skinny. I'm, in, I'm, I'm getting promotions in my, in my career at, at this corporation. And I'm just eating more. And I'm not having any, having any fun. I mean, and when I was 260 pounds, um, I dressed very, <laughs> like Cher, you know, talk about, oh my God, you know, nails, hair, because I didn't have anything else to work on, because I wore a size 24 for those women who know what size 24 is. And I changed appearances so dramatically. If you didn't see me for six months, you would not know what I would look like. You just wouldn't know. You would not recognize me. I was at a meeting this morning in OA, and a lady came up to me and said, Jeannie, I'm Beverly, and she weighed like 200 in Venice Beach this morning. And she said, you don't know me because I used to be a size 3. I didn't recognize her. She was like 200 pounds. And those, those of you who knew me then wouldn't know what to do with me. I would be on the beach in Santa Monica where I lived here in a size 6 white string three-piece bikini because I could get in it, that's all. And six months later in December... You'd see me at a Christmas party, and I would be in a size 24 black velvet muumuu with a poinsettia corsage on it, thinking like you'd recognize me. You know, you'd walk right by me. And, you know, my normal friends would say, gee, what happened? What, I mean, like, you know, seriously, with the close friends at the time. And I would go into this litany of like, well, don't you know, this president, blah, 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 this country, I was a media junkie. I minded everybody's business but my own. 
because I did not want to face the fact of fixing me. It's easy to criticize anything out there. It's much easier now, of course, because of the space and digital age. But at the time, um, I just had every, I was a media junkie. I'd sit there and binge and just watch stuff and make sure that president at that time, whoever it was, did not mispronounce a word. That's how nuts I was, you know? So now, there's a sticker someplace in a 12-step store. It says, should I go and protest and march for peace around the world, or should I just help my grandmother with the dishes? And that's it. I'm helping my grand not, not literally, but I mean, I mind my own business today. It's my business, God's business, none of my business. And you 90, 90% of the world is none of my business. And I can't even affect the change. Even if I was a multi-gazillionaire, I cannot affect the change into things that I want to change today. Serenity prayer. I must do that. Because I will just get, I'm an extremist. If I hear a song, I'll hunt it down, Europe, South Africa, Ethiopia, I'll find the album, I'll ship it overnight, whatever, fortune, I'll cut the song, I'll play it 35 times on my iPod or whatever till I kill it, and then I'm sick of it. And it's just, next, I always am chasing a I always was chasing a carrot. I have the morisms. So I'm up, down, 118, 145, 120, 180, 150, 220, 200, 260. And I'm running out of ideas. I'm running out of ideas on how to say thin. I got thin. I mean, you know, when you're in a shishi poo poo spa and you're surrounded by all these um, Sherpas, you know, they're painting your nails, they're, you know, your hair, they're telling you what color to wear so you don't look heavy. What a joke. When you're 260, and there's, there's no hope there. Anyway, but, you know, I'm, I'm paying good money, so they're kissing my behind. So, um, and, and life is great. I got skinny. But you know why? Because it was a controlled environment. Listen, anybody can get skinny living in your own castle, for God's sake, with all these ladies in waiting. But when I came out, reality hit me in the face. Life. And see, I knew all the beauty, blah, 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 nails, hair, dress. But no one taught me like OA has taught me, which is a day at a time to live life. No one gave me a set of blueprints on what to do from the moment I wake up until I go to sleep every night. And OA did that for me. I feel very safe today. I don't have any fear today, subject to change tomorrow now. It's a day at a time for the newcomers. I don't have any fear of going back to 260. I do not. I, you know, I have a slight fear if I don't if I get lackadaisical in OA. But I don't because if I do today what I did yesterday and the day before, I will probably not go into a major relapse. And quickly, my food is not perfect. I never want to use the word perfect in my life again. Because I was at my heaviest and I was perfect. I'm serious. Because I go on diets and eat out of those plastic bags, for those of you old enough to remember that. I would go to this, these weight loss places. They'd give me all my food, three weeks of food in a big trash bag, and I ate it in like two days. And it's like, what do I do for the next three weeks? You know, nothing. And so, and it's like when I, you would call me, and I missed so much of life because I was heavy. You would call me and say, I had friends literally call me and say, we sold our house, we're, in, we're at the dock down here in San Peter, we're taking our sailboat around the world, uh, come down and have a drink with us before we launch. And they went on like a two-year two, two world trip around the, on the water. And I said, I can't. You know what happened? Because I gained 100 pounds since they last saw me. My body was my prison. I missed so much of life. And even when I was healthy body weight, my mind was my prison. I still felt I was fat, and I did not have the tools with which to live life and be a human being and a guest at a party because I wasn't an OA. 
See, whether I weigh 260 or 200 or whatever I weigh now, OA gives me the tools to live as a human being and relieve me of all the pain and irritability that I might experience today. As my sponsor says, there isn't any excuse that I should have a bad day based upon the fact that I made a choice this morning when I got up to live a 12-step day. Okay, so fast forward to my bottom. I'm, I'm grazing 12, 14 hours a day. And excuse me, gentlemen, I'm binging in the shower. I'm reaching out. I, I mean, I can't, I'm like a chain smoker. I can't be without it now. The sister-in-law who lights one and on one right now, she's an alcoholic. And I'm binging, sitting on the toilet. I just cannot be without food. I just can't. And this is it. And then I had these two girlfriends. They called us, I don't know what they called us, but I've known them for 20 years. They were my binge buddies. We'd all go up to like 250 together, binging at the malls. In those days, they had the really antiquated food courts. Now they're really fantastic food courts. And then we'd, we'd starve, and the three of us would go down to 120, up to 280. And we were buddies. You know, we were great, the three of us. Well, they're gone from this disease. One died because she had diabetes and she could not control her food. It doesn't matter if, if my life is threatened. I cannot control my food. I can't. I don't care. What, I don't care. They can bring corpses in here and tell me that you're going to die if you don't stop eating. That never stopped me. That doesn't stop me. It's like those smokers that put, you know, the cigarette in the hole in their throat when they have a tracheotomy. They're addicts. And my other girlfriend, she took her life because she had this disease and she could not stop eating and that was a permanent way of not eating and I knew her she gained and lost a thousand pounds and she was the first experimental patient down the road here at UCLA for the Optifast diet she was on one year a liquid diet and lost all her weight and Thanksgiving I'll never forget it at her house I, I was still eating then I had this big Thanksgiving meal and she had three capsules on her plate that is not normal living. And then she went back up to 360, and she took her life, and they had to cremate her because here's a little funeral trivia. A casket's only 24 inches wide, and they have to break bones to get people in there, or they could buy an oversized casket. But it's only 24 inches, technically, caskets are. So they cremated her. And this was, and those deaths in the late 80s were, were the reason that I came to Overeaters Anonymous because I jumped in bed to grieve. And how do you think I grieved? Binge my brains out because I didn't know to reach out. I was alone. I was believing my own mind. And my mind is my worst enemy. It is where the disease starts. It is not in my taste buds. It's in my mind. My mind starts working. I never want to go in there alone anymore. I have all of you to count on. I have a sponsor. I have sponsees to keep me current. And so I, I came to OA dying. I planned my suicide. But obviously I didn't kill myself. I came to OA on the uh, lawn bowling park down there on Wilshire in like 23rd where Jack in the Boxes. That was my first meeting ever in 1989. And I found all of you. I found all of you who knew the agonies and the ecstasies of compulsive overeating. And I found people in that room who had what I wanted. Not only were they not eating, kid died, motorcycle crash, house burned down, their wife or husband died. They did not want to eat. I wanted that freedom. I know how to diet. I, I don't want to do it today, but I know how to starve and diet. But I wanted the freedom. I wanted the white knuckling. I wanted to be free from the white knuckling and obsessing over food. And, you know, I got that. I got that a day at a time. I went out and got a sponsor. A sponsor is crucial. If you don't have a sponsor, you're wasting your time in this, this program. A sponsor is crucial. She talks me back from the ledge. 
She is my sanity when I am crazy. She gets me to take actions that I do not yet believe in. And even though I question it, I still do it. And by God, she is right. She gets me out of myself. When I'm just obsessing over something, she'll say, go clean a drawer. What? Did you hear what I just said? Yeah. Go clean a drawer. And, and it passes. A sponsor is crucial to check in with a lot. And the steps are where the action is for me. The steps are the action. And we did the steps very quickly. I came in June. I got asked in July 28th. And by September, Labor Day, that following year in 89, I had done all 12 steps. And that doesn't mean it's a contest. That means the more I do them, the better I get. And I don't wait till it was perfect. Just jump in. Just jump in because the lifeguard is there with you. Your lifeguard's there. Jump in the deep end. Start those steps. And, you know, the rest of the story is history. I go to meetings Consistently, I go to two OA meetings back in Michigan because that's all we have. And um, I go online. I read literature. I have a sponsor. I am never without a program contact every day. I make two to three calls, and I get two to three calls every day. I'm in program. You know what? My life is fuller now than it ever was when I was doing nothing except clicking the channels for six hours a day and binging my brains out. I have a life now. I have so much to do. I don't know where to turn to. Um, I got married 11 years ago, and this is a person who couldn't even have an aquarium. I just have to have plastic plants because I could not have a relationship with anything that had, you know, breathing, that had, you know, that had a breath to it. And I'm married to a person on top of that. And, um, not a plant. And, uh, and, you know, and I just, and I, I'm, a, I'm a human being. I'm not perfect. And I do not eat tofu, alfalfa, sprouts, seaweeds, and all that. I mean, I eat real food. I eat more today the way I look than when I weigh 260. I eat more. I have more choices. I can put a dinner together in a 7-Eleven in 10 minutes. There isn't a place that I cannot eat in today. I'm not in this prison like I can't go there, can't go here, can't go there. No, let's go. I'll work it out. And it's not because I'm so hip, slick, and cool. It's because I have a power greater than myself in my life, and I make sure I am close to that power every day, which I call God. And fast forward again in my corporate life. I mean, if my clients knew that I was this spiritual, God-fearing, God-believing person, they'd probably, like, close their account. But they don't realize that since I've gotten this program, I've gotten so much better in my position. Because, you know, I was crazy before. I mean, I think the grace of God just got me through. You know how he watches over drunks and fools? Is that the saying? I was one of those people. So it's been 19 years. It's been in. And here is, and you know what? Here's what I got out of OA. I'm not a princess of the country. I don't don't even want that anymore. I just want exactly what I have now. The obsession to compulsively overeat has been removed from me. And that's all I ever wanted. And I got that. And the previous 19 years, some of the most unspeakable tragedies have happened to me. And I have not gained or lost more than three or four pounds over it. And on the flip side of that, some of the most unbelievable good fortune has befallen me. I'm ashamed to even talk about the good fortune that has befallen me. And I still haven't gained or lost three or four pounds over it. And that's what OA is to me. I'm consistently a disciple of the 12 steps, no matter what happens in my life. So my dad got killed. I was going to tell you about that tragedy. Some of the most unbelievable tragedies turn out to be good fortunes. And some of the most unbelievable good fortunes turn out to be tragedies. And some program people say, you know, please help me accept the seemingly bad and help me accept the seemingly good. So my mother is now 84. She never remarried. 
and he got killed in 1966, 40-some years ago when I was 16. And now her health is failing. As a result of his death, and then, the United Mine Workers awarded my mother a lifetime free health, vision, and dental care for the rest of her born days. Free. Now, my mother, because of her failing health, is running up hundreds, when the doctors see her coming, they just see a gold mine, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in medical bills. And we'll get a bill for like 350 at the house, 350 grand, amount due from patient, $30. And, you know, that is the flip side of the tragedy of my father's death. And, you know, just I just never know when a tragedy or something that starts in my life that occurs is going to turn out for the good. And if it doesn't turn out for the good, it still helps me turn to the 12 steps and strengthen that muscle, that muscle of my belief in God, the muscle that things are the way they're supposed to be. And you know what my prayer is every morning? And I do have a routine, which I'll tell you about if there's any questions, a daily routine and program. But when the rubber hits the road, I ask God, please help me accept or get through what you have in store for my life today. That's it. I, when my mother was dying six weeks ago in Pennsylvania. I was, she, I was shopping for caskets for her. Miraculously, she made a recovery. I didn't plead with him um, to please help her live. She's 84. I just said, please help me be a good daughter today. Deal with the doctors. Just help me be a good daughter and help me buck up because... She's not 34. She's 84. I wasn't praying like, please help her live. Well, you know, or me. I could, I could pray to cease my mother. But help me accept what's in store for my life. And I've had lots of disappointments. But, you know, I have to roll with it. It says in our book, we must wear life as a loose garment. Lighten the hell up. And as my sponsor used to say, you know, get the hell over yourself. You know, <laughs> you know she thinks who she is. Oh, God. Anyway, so I'm going to close with, because I, I enjoy questions if there are any questions. But, you know, here I am, 19 years and plus, a few hundred days later. OA, I will not leave OA. OA has given me a life I never imagined. And when I think of all the hours I tinkled away in my days of not living, two, maybe three hours a day devoted to program, um, that is a small, small job to do. And I look forward to doing it because I get to meet everybody and it makes me a better human being and, and happier and more content. And... Um, I just love OA, and I love it anywhere in the world, so I hope you come back to northern Michigan someday and visit me. But I'm here quite a bit, and I I just hope that um, I carry the message to somebody. And if you didn't get a message tonight, I sure as hell got the message. So, And that's it for me. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to open it up for questions. So, Jeannie, would you tell us, please, about your morning spiritual... I will. My morning spiritual regimen. And it, no, it's more than actually spiritual. My eyes pop open. And, you know, because I'm a compulsive overeater and I'm never going to change or going to bury me as a compulsive overeater, um, there's vultures on my bed down there already. You know, the big purple-headed vultures looking at me like you're, no, they're on the headboard looking down. You're no good. You're fat. The world's coming to an end. You know, why get up? That, that's there. And then down there are the four horsemen of apocalypse, these big black stallions, you know, flaring nostrils. Man, I have two horses in Michigan. And, um, but I quickly say I'm a compulsive overeater, so be careful. I mean, if I, I can identify myself as that. When I know that I'm a compulsive overeater and I remember that I am that, everything kind of calms down a little bit. Because I used to start the uh, day in the running blocks like this, big fight. 
who am I going to, you know, who's going to cut me off today? Who am I going to, you know, I have to defend myself in L.A. or any city I am. So I say the third step and the seventh step prayer as soon as my eyes pop open. Then I slide off the bed and I say the first three steps. And sometimes I don't even pay attention to what they are. And say, other days I concentrate on what they are just to get me in the rhythm to not forget that I'm a compulsive overeater. That's my number one thought for the day. I must be careful with my thoughts, feelings, and actions because they're not normal like other people. And then on page 86 of the big book, the first, second paragraph down, it says, Upon awakening, we review our day. What's it going to be? Am I going to have this butthead client come in? Am I going to have to call somebody? And I asked God for guidance on that. Now, I know what I would do, because I'm good at decapitating people. I'm really good at that. It's an art form with me. But I don't do that anymore, or sometimes. Most of the time I don't, except my husband, once in a while. But, I mean, I asked him, what would he do? Kind, loving, tolerant, thoughtful. Then I get up, have breakfast, read the four today, done. Before and after each meal, I say a prayer. It's very simple. Before, before the meal is, please, God, let this be enough. That's pretty quick because I'm hungry. And after the meal, I say, thank you, God, the meal is over. I mean, it is over. If I had too little, as they say in Russia, tough shitsky. <laughs> and if I had too much, I won't do it again. And I have breakfast food for breakfast, lunch food for lunch, dinner food for dinner. Though that sounds corny. I'm not even joking. That is a concept for me. It's hard to stick with. Because I was a pizza for breakfast girl and a cereal for dinner girl. Not a bowl, a box. And, and then I will call my sponsor a couple times and then I get calls from sponsees. And I go to my meetings. At night, sounds like a lot, but you'd be surprised how fast this goes. You, you, you know how that fast this goes. And then at night, I write the 10th step. I go, DG, dear God, because I usually write it when people sometimes are around me. And I'll write, and I'll go to page 86 again. It says what? Upon retiring, we review our day. What did I do wrong today? Did I lie, cheat, steal? What could I do better? And that keeps me aware of me slipping into the seven character defects, which I'm really full of, and they've never gone away. I just, I just treat them on a daily basis, which is pride, resentment, anger, gluttony, lust, envy, sloth. And that sounds so complicated, but it's not. All of those are born every day or some of them go in remission for months and then some just pop up like daisies and that's nothing going to sleep and that's it you know the, the day is clean I'm not having anything hang over that I'm going to eat over tomorrow does that answer it? yes ma'am thank you so much Amy, for your share how do you deal with your relationships in a way? you mean oh you mean my husband you know what that's a good question how do I deal with my relationship in OA? You know what? Shockingly, my husband does not like it. How do you like that? And um, he, he doesn't know why. He's never seen me. I, I weigh 20 pounds less than I weigh when I met him uh, 11 years ago. In two weeks, we'll celebrate our 11th anniversary. He doesn't like OA because it takes my attention away from him. Now, he's not in a program, and I just actually just look at it like that. He's not in a program. But you know what? OA takes precedent over my husband. I would leave my husband before I ever stop coming to OA because my husband has not given me a life OA has. We had a very serious conversation one time about that. When he gets angry, he throws up OA. He goes, all your OA people call here. And I know he's trying to say I'm giving them more attention. I'm not. I've toned it down since I've gotten married. And I have a cell phone. I do a lot of my talking away from the house. But we had a serious conversation one time. I said, you know, OA is my life. And I am never going to stop going to meetings. I'm going to give you three days to think about it. And you may leave. 
I'll be, it'll rip my heart out of my chest cavity if you go, but I absolutely cannot stop coming to OA. You have no idea what I would become if I stopped coming. You'd have a 300-pound raging witch on your hand plotting your murder. <laughs> you have no idea how good this program is. And, you know, he never said another word about it. And I, have to, I, I must defend my program and my abstinence. I will defend it. And I still go to meetings. Bye, honey. Got to go. Go to a meeting. See you later. But non-subject in our house now. I'm, I will defend OA in my life to my dying breath. Yes. Who had a, who had a question? Yeah. Yes. Did you come into program with a higher power? And if not, or how was that power either redefined or how did you define that power? Yeah, that's a good question. Did I come into program with a higher power? If not, how did I define it? Well, I was raised a strict Roman Catholic girl. However... And believe me, I love all churches. I will never say I'm a recovering Catholic. That's so rude and insulting. I love all religions unless they harm other people. But I did not have an, a good, friendly concept of my God from that religion. Whether it's me or them, it doesn't matter. I came in here and I created my own higher power. And here's the great thing, ladies and gentlemen. Knowledge is power. I went around and asked all the people in the meeting or the people that I could ask on their concept of their God. And I put my own together. You know, someone said, and this, I haven't heard it for a long time, but I'm sure it's, 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 it goes around the meetings out here. Write a classified ad of what you would like your God to be. Write a classified ad. Tall, dark, handsome, whatever. Short, yellow, it doesn't matter. But write a classified ad and create your own God. And you know, I did that. And he changes once in a while. It's a he. It's not a human being. It's nobody I know. It's nobody, no, no dead relative. It's some big, you know, PBGB, you know, thing in the sky. And I created my own. And we're buddies. And you know what? It's very comforting. And it has a human form. So, and this, I'm 59, but I'll just say it in this room because I know you uphold the traditions. When I have a bad day, I envision myself. He has, he's sitting in the rocking chair in my bedroom, and I go and I crawl up in his lap. I have a bad day. He's in my car when I go to work. Oh, when I'm driving. He's in my office when I have clients come in. Butthead clients come in. He's sitting right there at this at the desk going, Calm down, it'll be okay. I know what's gonna happen. I have the script for your life. You know, our literature says that. Our God has the master plan for our life. And if I look back from day one since I've been here and it's gotten it's so good as it is, including the bad spots and I'm still here, why would I ever question that? So I, I created my own idea of my higher power. And it could change tomorrow. But so far, it's served me well. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. I was wondering if you would mind talking about your absence and also how absence dealt with the allergy to Okay, that's a good question. Talk about my abstinence. Well, briefly, um, I have a bottom line break. If I eat re- recreational sugar today, if I have one M&M, I'm out. I've got to start my time over. And, you know, by the way, speaking of that, I did start my time over. I had 12 years of like perfect, I hate to say the word perfect, but good abstinent. And I went out and binged on refined sugar. This was October 01 of 01. I'll never forget it. And my sponsor called me and she said, it sounds to me. And I got right back on my food plan after I binged. Like it was a light switch right back on. I was terrified. I'm lucky I came back. Most people don't. And she goes, you have to start your food time over. I had a fit. I said, me? I walk on water. I'm a circuit speaker. I'm going to start my time over. But you know what? I take my sponsor's direction because she has saved my life and she knows better. She knows what's better for me than I do. That's another, that's another plus for a sponsor. And so I started my time over. And I thank God you have a different speaker tonight. Anyway, it looks like I'm out of time. And I will finish that answer after. That's it. We're done.